Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Ryan, God is good. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. He's a good God. Life is tough. Stuff goes wrong. He's still good, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not referencing anything in specifically right now. Uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking, I mean, we had some good conversation before we started recording, uh, just hearing about different things going on in the culture and updating each other on our lives. And, and, uh, it's a good reminder every once in a while to just say it out loud. Cause we have this weird phenomenon as humans where it's not true unless we say it out loud. Uh, he's good all the time and we are not. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, <laughs> I kind of ties into a little bit of our topic this morning uh, with your, you had a, an interview and kind of talked with uh, Rick Harris. Yes. Yep. Uh, and the, and of course we had him on the podcast before, but the, the topic and the conversation that y'all had is kind of tied in what we're talking about a little bit too. And, and a sense of the idea of when you interview a church, when you're mm. interviewing, you're going through the candidation process, they're interviewing you. Um, of knowing how to interview, yeah. right, first of yeah. all, uh, and knowing as a church how to interview a candidate in the sense mm-hmm. of, and I think the overall the overall arching theme that I got from y'all's conversation was honesty, mm. uh, which is extremely important in the interview process, but a lot of times it's lacking on both sides. Yeah, because when we say honesty, what we really mean is transparency. And uh, not everybody likes to tell, they like to tell the truth. They like to tell nothing but the truth, but they don't like telling the whole truth. (laughs) That that, that reminds me, again, and I, I was lucky, personally I was lucky to have uh, family in ministry. Yeah. Uh, grandfather was a pastor for many, many, many years. And my dad was a pastor for a long time as well. So, so I had great wisdom poured into me when I was looking for my first church and, mm. uh, going to full-time ministry. And, and I was very thankful for it. And one thing that, uh, was drilled into me is that you are interviewing the church Mm -hmm. just as much as a church is interviewing. Yeah. And and that's not like, Ooh, don't tell, don't say that. That's legit. You're, you're, you're not just looking for a job. You are um, trusting the Lord and leaning on his guidance to figure out where to pick up, move, and then replant your family. And that, is still the case even if you're single because you will hopefully in ministry if you're single you'll get married and have kids one day so you have to decide as best to your ability and with the guidance of the lord is this a place i can raise my family you know um i've been in places where they didn't like large families and i'm in a church now that loves large families in fact i met a new family on sunday after service that i was introduced to by a a dad that i know uh, his friend of his, and I was asking about their kids because there's a couple kids standing there. So she gave me the rundown. I think they had like four kids, and she finished. And so we were kind of talking. I was like, "Yeah, I've got seven. and she was like, "Oh, good, no judgment for large families." And I was like, "Wow, that was okay. That let me know immediately. This is a concern for this mom that they want to be a part of a church that doesn't look down on large families." And I was like, "This church does definitely not look down on large families. <laughs> Our pastor has six kids." <laughs> yeah, I, I, that that is i don't think i've ever heard of a church looking down on large families isn't that isn't that weird i, I i'm not surprised because people are, are people 
a lot of people are naturally stupid. <laughs> I, that's really bad when I say that. That sounds really bad when it comes out of my mouth. But well, here, here, here's how you adjust it. Persons are smart. People are stupid. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, but because it, because why would you? Why would you not? What a family in your church. Why would you look that uh, down on that? Anyway, that, that that's makes a whole no, other episode, dude. It makes no sense. <laughs> if, if if God has called you to have a large family, have a large family. If God's called you to have a smaller family, have a smaller family. Who cares? There was once a couple in scripture that God called to have an extremely large family, and they populated the whole earth. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it twice. <laughs> well, guys. We're looking forward to this interview and with Rick Harris. So stay tuned to our conversation with Rick Harris. Hey guys, welcome back to the Youth and Culture Podcast. Uh, I'm excited today because we are having a returning guest. Uh, haven't been here since episode 51, and uh, that is Rick Harris. Uh, he is a youth pastor out in Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, I met Rick when I started at my very first church as a full-time youth pastor and met him at a lunch uh, with, uh, what, like 20 other youth pastors, I think, that day, something like that. And uh, I was listening and watching all these guys talk about ministry and noticed uh, one of the older guys in the room, everyone kind of kept looking to. Uh, and so I approached him afterwards and said, hey, will you disciple me? And uh, do you remember what you said? Basically, uh, <laughs> I think the words you said, would you mentor me? And I said, no, but I got to yeah. eat lunch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he basically was like, nope, but I got to eat. You want to meet on Wednesday? <laughs> So, but yeah, um, we interviewed Rick back in episode 51 about aging and youth ministry. And uh, it's right after you had, I think it was right after you had just finished the thesis and gotten your doctorate. Shortly. Um, and uh, and that that was, I think, our most popular episode for uh, like a year, I think. Um, but I found it very helpful. And so one of the conversations uh, that you and I had um was in addition to that was about the candidate process. So that's what we're going to be covering today is uh, candidates uh, for youth pastor jobs at a church. But before we get into it, why don't you kind of catch up up to speed on what's been going on in your life and what you're up to? Okay. Well, basically uh, still doing youth ministry um, at my church current their church now been here a little over four years and uh, things are going very, very well and very happy with the ministry here. Probably the biggest event was uh, I flew for my first time at 64 years old. Wow. And, uh, so I'd never flown before. Everybody was worried that I was going to freak out. I was worried I may freak out a little bit, but I did, didn't. Uh, made it. We went to Disney with the whole family, which was just a blast. Uh, grandkids and the such. And then uh, just to make it public, my two daughters uh, lied to me. And they told me that Guardians of the Galaxy was not a roller coaster. I do not do roller coasters. Ditto. Uh, and and just so people out there in Radio Land understand, Guardians of the Galaxy is a roller coaster. Okay. Oh. <clears throat> so when I wrote it, I got off there, and the words coming out of my mouth as I was walking out of the place was, "You lied," over <laughs> and over and over again. So. And your stomach was trying to jump out of your throat. Yeah, cause, and, I, and I didn't really enjoy it. So I can still say I don't enjoy roller coasters either. Uh, yeah. And then we, and we just finished we just finished a Blessed Girl Teen Conference, which is a major youth conference my wife envisioned 10 years ago. So this was our 10th year. Wow, it's been a, 10 years doing that? Yeah, had about 180 wow. girls here uh, and just had a great time. It was, all the basic statement we heard from most girls was, was how are you going to top this? So it was just really, it was just a really great year this year for Blessed Girl. Uh, awesome. So that's changed. And then with some other changes, I took over uh, being camp director of a camp, David, you've been to before also. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took over leadership of that and began to try to work on some major things that we needed to kind of work through and change and uh, for summer camp for this summer. So that fell into my, a, my lap too. That, that was a fun camp. Very unique name. No one ever uses it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I understand that too. That's what I was told when they changed it. it. Fusion team camp. Uh, Yes. Uh, but but we're making we're making we are making some changes to that. I, I did some marketing changes, some financial changes and stuff. But that kind of fell into my lap, um, mm-hmm. mainly because out of the camp, it's a small group uh, mm-hmm. and a seminar based style camp, and I was the only full time person left. Everybody else wow. is part time that does stuff. So I was like, if anybody's going to run camp, I guess it's going to be me. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. <clears throat> so anyway, but that's kind of what's happening. Uh, still plugging along. We're at a church that needs a pastor. Uh, wow. We have a search committee looking uh, that will be talking with the church just about covenant this coming Sunday. But uh, okay. so we're 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 growing. Youth ministry has grown significantly over the last uh, probably five months, six months, even without a pastor here at our church. Wow. So going well. Do um, because of uh, because of your age, do people kind of look to you? right now while the pastor's seat is absent? No, I kind of hide. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> guess that's a good thing. You don't want them looking at you. <laughs> There's a, a little bit, a little bit of that from time to time, but it's it, trying to let them do their job. And uh, I kind of hang out uh, in the area of youth and loving on teenagers and mm-hmm. pretty much make it clear to the church that that's where my heart is. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I actually do that through, uh, I read a post a while back on, what should you be called as a youth pastor? And mm-hmm. and my my tendency is when somebody asks me what I do or what I, should I be called, I'm the guy who hangs out with youth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lower my profile, the better I can hang out with youth, love on them, and point them to Jesus. There you go. Uh, and you, you mentioned this with uh, your church needing a pastor right now. And um, before we get into the the interview process or the the candidate process with uh, youth pastors. I did want to ask you, um, I've noticed, and, and I've heard some murmurings among the youth pastors and the pastors that I talk to, there seems to be a reduced number of guys coming up through school and seminary that are interested in going into full-time ministry. And uh, just wanted to ask you, have you noticed that? And do you have any thoughts on why that could be or what's kind of driving that trend? Yeah, the... I think a couple of things when you when you mention that, and and once again, I mean, I've heard it. I've been in a couple of conferences where people kind of talk through more of the why we need to push people to go to into ministry. You know, like we need to be bringing this out more kind of concept. Uh, but I think one of the things is being a pastor is hard, and so understanding that it's not an easy job. Uh, mm-hmm. And when a teenager says something to me about, "Man, I'd like to do what you do." I'm going like, yeah, you want to do what I do when you see the fun stuff happening, but you don't know all the other things. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it does need to be a calling. And I think for, I'm not sure that I think I want to say, I think we've got away from the calling aspect and and presenting the calling. So I think that's hurt uh, some. I don't know that churches preach looking at the possibility of God calling you to ministry. Mm. Uh, And so I think that's a, a piece of it. I think respect for ministers have went way down. Uh, and it started with things I approved of because I believe in servant leadership, that kind of concept of mm-hmm. leader. Uh, but you think about the used to be pastors set on the platform and now pastors sit in the congregation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, this moving towards servant leadership also though takes away or can take away some aspect of respect for ministers. Gotcha. You've got better reports on bad ministers. Hmm. You know, we we had a we had a minister just this year, a, a guy that I knew years and years ago, whose daughter uh, accused him of sexual misconduct, hmm. uh, and uh, he didn't he did not fight it. So I think that you know that story then gets out to a broader perspective, and so you you taint that respect for ministers in that way. Um, hmm. The, so those are some things I think the retirement issues, you know, people thinking in terms of retiring and then the, the work ethic of the generations behind are not as strong as the work <laughs> ethic of, you know, my generation. Now, of course, yeah. for your listeners, I am 64. So my generation's way, way back. But, the you know, and, and because ministry is hard, I think that all has some effect on it. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing in youth area that's hurt 
has been that Gen Z kind of pastor, that new family pastor, and, and churches jumped on that and rallied around that bandwagon of how great this was that we really need a family pastor. Mm-hmm. And they missed the fact that part of adolescence is pulling away from parents to something or somebody else. Peers is one of those areas, but a good youth pastor building relationships with the kids. And now churches are recognizing that was a hole that they created. And mm-hmm. and so now they're scrambling to get youth ministers back on staff. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a conversation two days ago with a couple of parents and was uh, new, new to the church, new to us, new to our denomination. And, uh, but like willing and chomping at the bit to learn and, and become a part of things. And, and I told him, I said, one of the things I tell parents and students all the time is that part of my job as the youth pastor is to reinforce what you're discipling with them at home. And hopefully you're discipling them at home. <laughs> um, but that's part of my job is to compliment what you're doing, um, and not do all of it by myself. Cause we can't, and we shouldn't do that. Um, right. And, well, but, but there is that aspect that from a parent standpoint, you're trying to grow your kids from mm-hmm. really whatever age, but 10 to 12, not range based on how adolescence has changed up to 18, 19, you're trying to grow them to total independence mm-hmm. and you can't release them too early or they can't handle it. You can't hold on to them too long or they'll rebel. And, and so as they move away from their parents influence they're moving to somebody's influence Mm -hmm. we in the church then try to make that be christ and Mm -hmm. then we try to do the follow me as i follow christ aspect of that a living christ in front of the kids as a youth pastor Mm -hmm. so we do come alongside the home in a mighty way when we're living christ in front of the teens uh, because we give them a physical idea of the possibility of christ now when i say that i'm not perfect i mess up i teach my kids a lot about forgiveness you know, and how God forgives us for the stupidity. Uh, yeah. But I'm still trying to point my kids, my teenagers to Christ. Uh, and, and I think that, that, that approach to the next gen ministry kind of concept, I think they miss that. And, and so I think that's hurt some too. Yeah. So for a candidate who, for, for a guy who's saying, Hey, I want to be a youth pastor to church and they got the resume updated and, um, we talked about this off air, but uh, make sure you spell check it, grammar check it. <laughs> Don't fat thumb anything. Um, have your wife read it multiple times. <laughs> um, I have my wife check stuff I say all the time, and she does the same thing. But um, as as we uh, go through the process, I think um, there's c- some standardized um, things that we should do as far as like make sure that your resume is up to date, make sure everything is accurate. Um, find the job postings of the denomination you want to go for. If you're Baptist, put it on, you know, go on the SBC's job postings, go to your state's affiliation job postings, look for those things. Um, contact people that you know that you can trust who will pass your resume along. Um, but once a candidate makes contact <laughs> with the church, um, what should the approach of the individual be towards the church on the initial contact, further interviews, the way they communicate, how much they communicate? Right. Uh, Man, I want to say I could probably, we'll talk a little bit more. I could probably boil it down to a couple of little things and you could sign off. And if people could flesh that out on their own, they'd be fine. Uh, (laughs) my, My soapbox is this when it comes to this, this aspect. Uh, and that's the word fit. You're looking for fit. Okay. Do you fit? And, and ultimately as the candidate, you can't make that happen at the church level. You can't make them do these things to create fit. You have to look for that, but you need to look to see if you fit. And, and so that's one of the real keys. Uh, that's boiled down to things like, do you fit with the pastor? Mm. That, that includes what kind of pastor do you want? All right. At 64, I'm not looking for a pastor that's going to be my mentor. Okay, I've yeah. been doing this longer than any pastor I'm probably going to serve with. 
Uh, I don't. <laughs> That's mind a whole different dynamic right there. <laughs> I don't mind having a boss. I don't mind having a friend. But like, do you want a friend, a mentor, or a boss? I followed a guy who wanted a pastor to be his mentor who refused to be his mentor. And the guy did not do well. Uh, Mm. But then if you talk to somebody else, he didn't listen well either all the time. But, but it kind of that connection point of, you know, what, what's the pastor like? How do you fit with the pastor? How do you get along with kind of who he is, how he does things? Uh, You know, all that is a part of fit. The staff, what are you looking for in a staff? Um, do you do you need that camaraderie? Do you need guys that are going to hang out? Can you operate in a silo? And I know we can argue about not operating in a silo, but the fact is if the staff is all in silos, you're just interrupting their work time. You know, so can you work in that? Can you learn to help it? not even if you try to help it though, mm-hmm. uh, can you work with that? Uh, the, then the fit with the church. How do you fit in the church? Is it rural? Is it city? Where, how did you grow up? How much is this going to be cross-cultural missions for you? Hmm. Uh, I had a friend who was all into rap music and, and you know, inter, you know, considered himself kind of, you know, a hipster, ended up in a rural church. And he was telling me about standing outside the church one night after youth. And one of the guys, there were some deer out in the field. And one of the guys from the youth group opened up his truck door stuck his hands up on the, the, the door and goes, man, if only I had my gun, I could take that deer down. So that far is away rural from, ministry right so there. So far away from the youth pastor and who he was. So so what's what about that? How young is the church? How old is the church? Uh, is it a church plant? Is it, you know, very old? What do they expect as Did far as church dress? split? Did the church split? <laughs> Been in that situation before? Yep, uh, yep. You know, uh, what do they expect as far as dress is concerned? Hmm. You know, is it a, is it a coat and tie church or is it a, you know, you can wear shorts to church, you know, zone. Because if you're a shorts wearing youth pastor loving shorts and you show up at a church and every Sunday you're supposed to have a coat and tie, you're just creating conflict and either in yeah. yourself or within the congregation. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are things to just kind of how do I fit uh, there within that church? Uh, mm-hmm. So the, thinking in those kind of things, uh, all fit. I'll go underneath that word fit. One of the statements I, I, I thought about in this process was, and you've you've stayed at my house before because you've come mm-hmm. to the you know state convention and stayed at our house and and the such. And and I'm like, okay, man, I like you. We've been you know together, hanging out with each other for a long time. The, when you call and ask, can you come stay at my house when the state convention's in town? I ask a whole lot less questions if you said, hey, Rick, can I come live with you? That's a good point. <laughs> that's that's a very different conversation. <laughs> and when you're interviewing for a church, you're coming to live with them. Mm. You're not coming for the weekend. Mm. And, and so these are kind of important kind of things to think through. Um, I don't usually think in terms of absolute questions. I think in terms of kind of principles and reading between the lines. Like what, what can I see in body language? What can I see in what they're saying? What do I need to say? Uh, and, and I want to interview as honest as I possibly can mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that, that I want, uh, one, I want to start this relationship honestly. So, yeah. I, want to, so I want to interview honest there. Uh, but I also want to know that if they think I fit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you've got doctrinal issues. How do you fit with those? Some mm-hmm. of your core issues. What are your? That's core a good issues? one to be honest about. <laughs> yeah, and and what are your core issues? Because there are some core. You know, like I wrote down just a few things. Thinking about salvation. You know, is it Jesus alone? Jesus and baptism. How about eternal security? All those you know areas under salvation. Um, you know, where, where's this church at in that? You, you've got the other, like I've served in a church on doctrinal issues where end times was, uh, uh that the, the pastor was all meal. I'd grown up pre-trib all my life. Mm. Okay. Okay. Is that a, I need a leave issue? And it could mm. be for some people. And if it's going to be one of those, that's things you got to get out in the interview and make sure of. If, if you can't give and take some, uh, yeah. social drinking has been, a, was a hard one for me. 
because I'd been in a teetotaling church for a lot of years. I grew up teetotaling and all of a sudden we're in a culture where, you know, lots of people socially drink, you know? And so I ended up at a church where my middle school teachers had wine in their house. Well, I didn't ask about that. So they had to wrestle because I'm on staff. How do I wrestle with that? Uh, is this okay? Or is it not okay? Uh, if you, if you've got any of those that you can't wrestle through to come out that I can still fit within this culture, you need to probably ask those during the interview process. Yeah. What the deal breakers are. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to make sure that you're going to, you're going to stay with it and, and be there. That you're not going to get mad and nor are you going to create great upheavals. Uh, yeah. Uh, my first, my first interview, probably my first interview ever for ministry was a, a Texan who came to Liberty University to interview some guys to come as a youth pastor. So he asked me a question. He looks at me and he says, let me ask you about mixed swimming. So what do you think about that? And I was like, <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know, and he said, and he goes on to say, well, good. He said, I brought a youth pastor into my church and said he was against mixed swimming. He preached about it. He taught the kids. I mean, he made it this huge thing. He said, half my church members have swimming pools in their backyard. We're in Texas. No, you're a community. <laughs> That's like, okay. Guy didn't understand culture. The youth guy didn't as he came in and did. Yeah. And that was, that was like this big thing for him. But it, it the pastor said just about tore my church apart. Wow. You know, so finding fit is, is very key in this process. Uh, who are you? And what are kind of your absolutes? Uh, and then from there, that begins to allow you to better interview uh, when you're looking for a job. Yeah, I remember when I um, came out to interview the first time for the job that I have now at the church I'm at, which I'm currently leaving, which is, it's all good. Everybody's happy, positive. Right. Things are encouraging. This is not like a weird, bad thing. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but... I remember before that first interview, I came to you and I was like, all right, man, uh, lay it on me thick. Give me some wisdom. <laughs> and I think the only thing you said was tell the truth. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and, 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 and I was like, well, yeah. And you were like, no, like when you sit down with the pastor, tell him that I told you, don't tell him this is your idea. Cause it'll come out really cocky, but tell him <laughs> that I told you to ask him or to let him know that you're going to be as honest and truthful about everything good, bad, and ugly so that he gets a very clear picture of who I am and ask if they would do you the honor of doing the same thing about the church so that we don't have to go through what I call the first date interview, which is where you lie about all of your good things so right. that they'll accept you. Um, but you just let them have it. And I followed that advice. We sat for three and a half hours uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> talking right. And I laid bare all of my inadequacies and all of my problems and all of my current issues and all of my good things. You know, I tried to be humble about that. Right. And he he was very respectful and he did the same. Right. And that gave us a very clear picture of what we were getting ourselves into. And I found it very helpful. Right. And and once again, if you've got both sides of the team willing to do that, you're looking for fit and you're gonna find that, which creates a level of longevity. Uh, you know, and on your part, it's God changing. It's not, it's nothing in the church. It's you changing, I guess, God changing what you're doing in kingdom work uh, mm -hmm. and shifting I'm that. I'm just changing lanes. And <laughs> they've been very supportive at your church in that change. Yeah. And the church itself has been supportive, not right. just individuals. <clears throat> right. Uh, one other little tagline that I usually try to share with people is interview like you don't care if you get the job or not. Just don't you know, walk in swagging. Yeah. It's like when you can, <laughs> when you can, and let God protect you. In my first church, first full-time church I went to, it was a little rural community. It had 700 in the town. I really looked for him to be painting the sign 704 as we drove in with the U-Haul. <laughs> like, hey, oh, that's, it's the youth pastor guy. Uh, but <laughs> so, so we go to this town. So in our second interview, they asked me, said, so what do you think about our town? And I said, well, guys, you're no Mayberry RFD. And what I meant was, you guys don't even have a jail. <laughs> what they heard was, 
wow, he really likes it here. <laughs> you know, oh. so, so God even took that and moved it around because I'm going like, dude, I'm probably not coming here. And really came to the second interview going, I'm not sure that we're coming here. I was also interviewing at, at Asheville, North Carolina, which I'm Southern Baptist. Ridgecrest, one of the two national retreat centers is there thinking mm-hmm. this is where we're heading. Uh, yeah. But went back to this little town in Ohio on the Ohio River that second time to interview, thinking, I'll do this other interview, but we're probably not coming here. Shared that with them that night, went back and stayed in a in a uh, bed and breakfast with no air conditioning in the summer. Ooh. And it was high school reunion. Uh, the, the one high school, it was their reunion that weekend. And so a drunk's laying in front of our bed and breakfast, singing till about 2 a.m., with our windows up because there's no air conditioning, trying to get some sleep. And I'm thinking, this is miserable. Uh, They don't even have motels here. You have to use this bed and breakfast thing. Get in the car and drive like the 15 minutes back to the church. And everything changed that morning from being, this is a rundown, depressed area to Mm. this is quaint. And we could raise our kids here. Wow. By the time I got to the church, I knew I was coming because wow. God had changed our heart that much. And and wow. so that process, but I was still honest throughout the process to say, okay, if I come, I want this to be successful. Uh, yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm here and that I fit and, and that with that things go well. Uh, and that's why that's such a huge thing. If people can get that in their mind, if guys can get that in their mind, look for fit, interview honest, like you don't want the job. Uh, you know, in that process, then if it's still a go when you're on the other side, you're going to be there a while. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do the first date approach, as you call it, you know, yeah. if you interview for just a job, job kind of, then, then it's not. Now I am on the other side though. Some guys will come in with a book, you know, going, okay, here's my notebook of all the questions I need to ask you before I'll come. I'm more of the gut feeling, look, read between the lines, see what you think, pray and see what God's telling you through the Holy Spirit aspect of this and not, I don't ask tons and tons of questions uh, in that way. I'm looking to have interaction and communication and see, could I be here? Can I fit? Um, A lot of stuff I can, I can be flexible on. I don't have to be super rigid. Uh, my previous pastor, who's now not here, uh, he went to take care of his family, which is a godly thing. You can't look at him and say, no, you can't do that. <laughs> stay here. Yeah. Uh, but when I Get first came, family, stay here. <laughs> he, had never, he had never had a guy who wasn't straight out of college or seminary. Hmm. Uh, so when I first came, he consistently would come in my office like once a week and, and review everything I was doing and, you know, ask me questions. And he was trying to protect me you know, in his mind, but on at my experience, I didn't need that much protection per se. You've been doing it for like 35 years now. At that time, about 30 years when I came here, but, but I understood where he was coming from and gave him that with the concept, not why does this guy keep coming in and doing this with the idea? I've got to win him over. He's got to learn to trust me. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually during COVID when you ask about the input, as we wrestled with COVID, like many churches did, the pastor began to really trust some of my insights as we were trying to restart a digital church and what should we do, what shouldn't we do? And, I, you know, we began to really bond there during the COVID years uh, together. And so as we came out of COVID, I pretty much had total freedom because he understood me. He knew he could trust me. He knew that I understood the church culture. Uh, and was going to be able to operate within the church culture. So, uh, I, but I knew I, I needed to, I was going to have to win him over and I was okay with that. So when you're talking about fit with a pastor and what kind of pastor you're looking for, I also had confident enough, confidence enough in myself to not, to feel like I could probably win this person over ultimately based on who he was and what I had seen. And I'm here because of the opposite. When I had a pastor change at a previous church, I realized that it really probably didn't matter how long I was there. We were not going to fit. Uh, and and, and so the, I, you've mentioned that before and it, it was, it's never been a, 
a way of like denigrating him. It's just, he had a way of leadership and things that he wanted done at the church. And you realize that your approach, the way you've been doing it, didn't mesh with that. So. And in that case, you, you, as an associate, as a warning to everybody who's listening, because it's mostly youth ministers as an associate, when that pastoral change happens, it is your job to try to fit the new guy. Mm -hmm. He's the leader. And if you can't and you work at it, and you give yourself a year or so, um, then, and it's still not going to work because y'all don't fit. The church made their choice with the pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's probably time for you to prayerfully consider finding out what God has next for you. Um, that's the healthiest way to do it. And that's, I think, the right way to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, somebody wants to argue about that, you can do that a different podcast. But I was like, uh, uh, you know, God places that guy in charge and we are definitely associates uh, yeah. being called to, to that role. So, yeah. And, and I think it's a good attitude to have if you're uh, in second chair leadership um, that you fulfill the calling of God in your life while submitting to the authority placed over you. Yes. And if you find a spot where you can't do that anymore, then graciously remove yourself from the equation. Right. <laughs> graciously yeah. and, and and i you know felt like felt like that's what i tried to do where i was at um uh, i think it's the good the good approach there is you still can look at people and talk to people when you mm -hmm. see them at different places or, or the such if you can and in my case god blessed me uh with being where i'm at now um mm -hmm. at a church and god's blessing the ministry that's here uh and this church took a chance back then on a 59 year old youth guy to, to see if it would work. So, uh, I mean, you were packing a thesis at that point that proved you could do it. So <laughs> well, I will say to kind of correct that, I would say, actually, I didn't know anybody when I wrote my thesis and said at 60, there's a reason yeah. to hire a 60 year old guy. I didn't know anybody who'd ever hired a 60 year old guy. I knew some guys who were 60 still doing youth ministry in their church. Cause that okay. issue of when you look that old, you know, when you're, 59 yeah. and you look 59 are the kids going to go like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, we really want this old guy to be our youth pastor. Uh, He's hip. <laughs> he has new hips. That's right. <laughs> Aching hips. Yeah. <laughs> Replaced hips. hips. <laughs> uh, but, but when you talk about interviewing, like in the interview, honestly, uh, when yeah. I came where I'm at now, I had two questions or well, I had one question and a statement I made. One question was, what do you do with cell phones? Okay, I've got a whole room full of time bombs staring at me. So what am I going to tell them? What I think they want to know or what I do with cell phones? Mm. I told them what I do with cell phones, which was, I don't care. Most kids, by the time they're in seventh or eighth grades, learned how to use them. Mm -hmm. It's really only the first year, some kids, the first two years, that they don't know how to use them. As in, they're, they're out all the time and, you know. But you give them, most kids, six months or so, they, they begin to manage their cell phone. And, and if not, I'll come alongside and talk to them. That's what I said. You know, because that is who I am. That's how I did ministry before I came to this church. So that was one. The other thing that was I threw out there was I looked at the kids. Parents are all in the room. And I looked at the kids and I said, all right, when we leave here, I said, if you're not going to give me a chance because I'm old, then go tell your parents and tell them to vote no. And I said, if you're going to give me a chance, what I can tell you is I'll get to, I'll get to know you. You'll get to know me. We'll begin to care about each other and learn to love each other. And we'll, we'll have an awesome ministry here. But if you're not giving me a chance, there's no use in them even bringing me here. So make sure you tell your parents no. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because I want to be honest. I want to be upfront. Yeah. I, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, our major meeting time is Sunday nights for our youth group. That's when we have the large group gathering. A lot of churches, that's their like Wednesday night. And um, I've so I've I've started trying to prep my youth group for my departure. And because um, I mean, e even if you do what you can to make sure that it's not a ministry of personality and it's all focused on Jesus, the kids are going to get attached. Right. Uh, it's just the nature of the game. But um, <clears throat> I, I so I've tried to start prepping them mentally and emotionally and you know, reminding them of what's going to happen, letting them know progress on my, um, pro the process I've been through of raising up mystery partners to send us to the field. 
um, letting them know about, you know, the candidate that's coming on the 18th and 19th, uh, which my pastor, actually, I was able to have him come in and share that with them first, which was cool. Um, and so um, I've been trying to let them know that. And then a couple of weeks ago, part of that process was me telling them about when I was a teenager and my fifth youth pastor came in and I didn't give him a chance. Like I was like, dude, screw you. You're going to be gone in six months, just like the other four. So why bother? And I made his life hell for like a year. <laughs> um, but he stayed for four years. And so after that first year when he wasn't gone, I was like, all right, I guess I should give him a chance. And so I wasted a year of our relationship. And he was the guy that told me the first time ever, you're going to be a pastor someday. And I just laughed at him. And uh, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I told the students, I said, look, guys, I know that this is going to be a hard thing for some of y'all to handle because it is. It's just when a, a youth pastor leaves and a new one comes in, that is a difficult transition for a teenager. And there's no way to avoid that reality. But I said, try not to waste your time rejecting the guy from the gate. Try to accept him. Try to get to know him before you decide to write him off. Give him a chance. Let him give you a chance. And, and that could actually save you some heartache and some time because you won't have wasted it just rejecting the guy that God's called to this church. So I'm trying to get them into that mentality. And I, I had a conversation with one of my students the other day, and, I, and it was just him and I hanging out for discipleship stuff. And I was like, hey, man, I don't know if this is a fair or an unfair burden on your shoulders, so I'm sorry, <laughs> but you might be one of the kids in the youth group that the other kids look to to see should we accept this new guy or not. And I said, and that's just because you're in a leadership position in the youth group by proxy of what you do when you serve. And um, you're also, your personality is one that other kids look to for kind of guidance. Even if you're not trying to be that way, that's just your nature, the nature of who you are in the youth group that, that lends towards that. So they're going to, the younger crowd's going to look at you. And if you're rejecting him, they're going to write him off without even thinking about it. Um, so I want you to try. And he was like, yeah, okay, I, I guess, you know, he kind of laughed a little bit and was like, yeah, I know I'm the man. And I was like, yeah, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, we have a good time joking about stuff like that, but um, that is one of those things where you have to, like I, in our case, they have to understand this isn't going to just go back to the way it was. That's never going to happen. Um, even if for some reason I do something colossally stupid and I lose my job as a missionary now. And I come back and the church is like super gracious. And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? You can stay on as a full-time youth pastor. We love you. It's still going to be different because there's this weird time period where I was telling them for months I'm leaving. (laughs) So things are going to change. Things are going to be different. And you know how Baptists are. We don't like change. So, well, and helping them understand that when I went to, (laughs) when I came back to the Roanoke area, uh, I was leaving a church I'd been at for about eight years and that was real hard to leave. But I still remember standing up before the kids on the first Sunday that I was at this new church and I held up the church directory and I pointed to the picture of the old youth pastor. And I said, you notice that I'm not him. And I just let you know. And I said, had God wanted him to be here, he would have left him here instead of moving him to South Carolina. And he could have moved me to South Carolina that Mm. church but god had a place for him there and his gifts and talents and he had a place for me to be here for what god's got for us in the future and Mm -hmm. i said the the if you can recognize that and look to what that is then god can use that and can bless that and one of the guys when you talk about a youth pastor at that very church the guy who left was went and was an interim at another church close by and a key student there in the youth ministry was going to follow this, this guy. And the guy said, don't give this new guy a chance, which was Mm me. Uh, he became just a good student. We had a great time. He gave leadership to the student ministry and I ended up being the guy who did his and his wife's wedding. Oh, that's cool. So he bought into me and the leadership and I've had him and used him in other areas of ministry over the years. So, I mean, that was just a, you know, just a real blessing that he listened to this other guy challenge him to stay and give leadership to the student ministry. And he did. Um, So, yeah. And that's indicative of the other youth pastor. That's indicative of him understanding that the ministry is not all about him. It's all about Christ. Yes. And, um, and not worrying 
about, oh, my, my kids, they're not your kids. Right. <laughs> not yeah. anymore. Right. Um, yeah. So as much as I may say, my teenagers are still gods and all I am is a servant serving mm-hmm. here uh, within, within this church that God has planted me. That at the stage I fit, by the way, uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of my soapbox. So, yep. So I, I I wanted a majority of the conversation to be how the candidate approaches things, but I right. do think it would be healthy uh, if there is church leadership listening to this. Um, if we talk a little bit about how a church should approach the candidate, and right. I know there's going to be a little bit of overlap here, like with the honesty thing. Right. You, you would want the church to be honest about their foibles as well. Um, and, and the good things that the Lord's doing in them. But um, can you give us a couple of uh, thoughts on how a church, uh, whether it's like the church body or a search committee, pulpit supply, whatever you want to call it for the youth pastor, a board of directors and the pastor who are looking, um, how should they approach a candidate during the process? Yeah, and I think first uh, would be the, uh, the aspect of interviewing honest. And, and recognize how the church always wants to put its best foot forward. Yeah. Uh, be careful of that. Let let them know some of your struggles. You know, if, if there's been a church split, that may be something you want to discuss. If there's been some doctrinal concerns, it may be something you want to discuss uh, with with them. If there's some preferences um, that, you know, I served in a church. One of my churches I served in was King James from the pulpit only. Uh, so I could use NIV with the youth, but as I came there, it was like, okay, am I okay with King James? Because if not, but the, the church made me aware of that. Um, at that same church, it was really funny. The pastor who's now with Jesus, the pastor reached over and kind of patted my wife's chair and said, all the ladies wear dresses here said, you know, we don't really tell them they have to, but they just do. Well, at that stage, my wife was still wearing dresses to church all the time. He just so I still remember walking to. out of the hallway, walking down the hallway after that. And and I looked at her and I said, so, honey, how do you feel about that? You know, and she says, well, I wear dresses now all the time to church anyway. I said, I know, but this is somebody telling you you have to. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel? Because if you say no, we'll pull the plug on this right now. Mm-hmm. And she was like. It's not that big a deal. And I said, okay. I said, I just want you to know, we'll stop. Because the other thing is, you are hiring my wife to do. Which is back to the interview. Hot, hot take, man. Hot take. I mean, people are like going, <laughs> you're, only hire, you're only hiring me. You're not hiring my wife. Guess what? They're hiring your wife too. You can, you can argue that. You can defend your wife. But you defend your wife before the interview. Like you defend by not going to that church. If, Mm. if, if, if something doesn't fit, she needs to be buying into that church too. Mm -hmm. Uh, If she's going, which that goes back to the other thing, but that's a whole nother thing. But if your wife's not buying in the church, you shouldn't go. Uh, And and so I want to make sure she was on board, which she was. And we had, you know, a good, a good stint there. Uh, But, but the church being honest back to that, they need to be honest in the interview they need to pull out some of the some of the questions, some of the, the the struggles. My one church I interviewed, I didn't go there, but I interviewed this one church. We went to go eat. There was no table ready for the whole group, mm-hmm. so they had to wait to get a table ready at the restaurant we were at. So we sit down, we all eat, we fellowship for a while, then we go to the church. When we go to the church, the pastor goes, "Well, I'll go make some coffee." You know, great symbol of servant leadership. Uh, I'll go make some coffee. As he leaves, the committee looks at me and goes, let me ask you a question. How organized are you? And I looked at him. I said, because he's not. And they all looked at each other and started laughing. (laughs) Caught him. So then I said, does he want somebody under him who's organized? That's a bigger question. Mm. You know, and, and, and that was a red flag to me. Because yeah. it's one thing to be an organized guy who can totally support the pastor and and take care of all the mechanics, but it's another thing for him to want that. Um, mm. and, and so anyway, honesty there in the church, uh, looking for that aspect of church fit, very similar. Uh, and then the pastor's role. And this does go back to my thesis. One of the reasons I wrote the thesis was to get the information to churches also that different age group 
youth ministers require different amount of supervision hmm. and involvement. And it, so what does the pastor want to do with the role of the youth minister? Does he want to mentor somebody? Does he want to come alongside? Does he want somebody who can totally run that ministry and take it out of his hands so he doesn't have to think about it? Hmm. Church has got to be honest with that and the pastor honest with the, the church, with the committee, so that they look for that right kind of person. Uh, because the younger they are, the more supervision they're going to make, uh, need. They're going to have to have, they're going to have to have more supervision because they're going to make more mistakes. So as a young man who started full-time ministry in my 20s and then transitioned to my second church, at the beginning of my thirties, I have lived that experience. Right. <laughs> I needed way more supervision in my twenties. Right. <laughs> you were a lifesaver in a lot of ways for the three and a half years I was in Roanoke. Um, but the last five years uh, I've been at my church now, I've been doing it in my early thirties and there's, there's been a difference. A, a lot of that came out of the experiences and the things I learned and a lot of the failure I had when I was at the church in Roanoke. Um, and, and it's one of those things where I've told guys this before. I think I, I said early on the podcast too, um, despite whatever idealistic tendencies you have, you're going to have a first church probably, which, which means you're going to have a second church. So, right. um, and that, that's not like, you know, um, that's not anathema. It, it's just the reality. Um, you can learn all you want in cemetery. I mean, seminary, but, um, <laughs> it doesn't mean you know everything. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you don't, there's no way to learn everything in seminary, yeah. uh, no matter how long you stayed, because some of it does take other things like the hard knocks, the personalities of different people, mm -hmm. uh, timing, you know, family pressures that affect all, all these things come to play on, on some things that happen and some mistakes that are made and, mm -hmm. and the such. Uh, and then how do you deal with those mistakes? Such as yeah. the younger the youth, the, the younger the youth minister, the less they understand conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. They're more willing to fight. The older you get, the more you understand conflict resolution, how to, how to move through that and deal with that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and even here, I was the one patting myself on the back. Nobody can see me cause it's just audio, but, uh, <laughs> it was me who stood up in a bad situation here at our church while we were without a pastor that where I came to a place where I finally had to basically rise up and begin to work with some people that were here to move us forward because we were going in a down downward spiral mm. and not to go into great detail, but I had to come basically come and say, okay, this is what has to happen. Mm. If not, we're going to be in a church split. Mm. And we're in good shape right now because we process through some of those things. And, and I'm so happy with where we're at as we look for a pastor now, but it was, I was watching it spiral out. I was trying to be a good youth pastor, kind of hide in my youth building. And I'm finally, I'm going like, okay, nobody's giving good leadership here. Hmm. You know, so I'm going to have to basically come out and, and deal with conflict resolution. Um, yeah. And, and so that, but that comes with age. I couldn't have done that at 25 or 30. Yeah. You know, just so, made it worse at that point. <laughs> yeah. And so those are, those are some of the things, but a church just being, if they can learn how to be honest and, and who they are, the only other thing I'd say to a church, if they're listening and to a youth pastor too, but definitely a church, uh, understand that a job description is awesome and it's wonderful. Bottom line, whoever the guy is that you hire is not going to totally fulfill that job description. Uh, most likely. <laughs> you know, they're going to, yep. but hopefully they're going to fulfill what God has for them at your church. Uh, mm -hmm. And so give some leeway there. Don't get, don't get so ballistic over your job description about it's got, you know, all these points and everything have some flexibility, some freedom there to allow mm -hmm. his personality to shine once he's there on staff as a, as a youth pastor. So. And I think um, the, the one thing that I that was sticking out of my mind of uh, the advice that you gave me um, when I came here, because I, I did the you, you told me to ask another question once I got further into the process where I actually met with a group and not just one person. And um, 
it was another one of those tell them I told you to say this because if you say it on your own authority, then it's going to sound really cocky. Right. <laughs> um, but it was uh, if if you offer me the job, why should I say no? Right. And uh, and I so I did. I, I was in the group setting and I said my mentor who's been doing youth ministry for 30 plus years. So there's his authority uh, <laughs> told me to ask you if you offer the job, why should I say no? And that's an opportunity for the church, like you said, to be honest with right. what's wrong. Right. Um, and, and they were, they were very honest. Uh, and I was like, okay, I think I can live with that. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that was really helpful, uh, for me and, and it was really refreshing. Um, and, and if, if any of you listening walk away with like one golden nugget from this, um, I would, I would have to say it has to be the, the transparent honesty aspect of this because it's it's threaded through this entire conversation but if you're if you're not honest with the church and the church isn't honest with you then things are going to end poorly right um and, and it's not even if you're like intentionally hiding things if you're just not fully transparent um I, even with i've been told ask for the church's budget and if they don't give it to you don't go there because they're hiding right. something <laughs> I think you told me that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, it, it saves so much unnecessary heartache for everybody. Um, and, and you're right. A lot of churches look for a young guy for a youth pastor, which probably also means young marriage, which probably also means young children if they have any yet. So if you're a church and you're inter- interviewing a guy who has four daughters and his wife is pregnant with twin boys, you need to be as honest as possible. That was us. You need to be as honest as possible with them so they know, can I support and take care of my family here and and thrive? And I asked them in the interview, do you like large families? And they said, well, the pastor has six kids. There you go. <laughs> so answer. <laughs> and And it's true. They do. They love big families. So um, I'm, I'm very thankful, uh, for the, the wisdom that you have given over the years, Rick, and, um, and your friendship and the, and the continued contact, even though it's, I haven't reached out as much as I probably should. Cause we're <laughs> guys, the, we don't have yeah, to. <laughs> guys, and I, I have undiagnosed ADHD, which means it's self-diagnosed, which means it's probably not true, but, um, I'm a out of sight, out of mind person, which I've actually considered taking the cabinet doors off my kitchen so that I know what's in there. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but I've appreciated the the input you've given me over the years, even from the distance in the last five years. And uh, it, I think it's been a, a huge help in ministry because it's allowed us to um, avoid unnecessary problems and focus on the gospel and the ministry of the gospel and the discipleship of teenagers and their parents. And, and so um, I, I'm really thankful for you being here. And if somebody wanted to try to get in touch with you, about this topic, if they're walking into an interview in the next week or two and they're like, I got to talk to this guy. He's like the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, but he's not a sham. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, probably the easiest is shoot me an email at youthdoc, U-T-H-D-O-C, at gmail.com. Uh, so that, that's probably the easiest and we can be in conversation from there. And what is Youth Doc? <laughs> <laughs> Youth Doc is an ongoing. It, there, there is a YouTube channel that is not as developed as I wished. As we came out, I started it really well during COVID, and then it got uh, as as the youth ministry cranked back up, as our pastor mm-hmm. resigned and left, and all that. It's been kind of setting idle, uh, mm-hmm. but the idea is to to continue to take and use thirty five years of experience towards helping pour into the lives of uh, youth pastors. And uh, so that's something that I'm working towards, but I'm not there. So the YouTube channel's there. The The website is there also, but the website needs to be redeveloped because uh, it was actually developed more for, uh, I guess, a aspect of an, an, an advisor, a, a consultant. And right. uh, somebody developed that for me, but it's more of less of a consultant aspect of youth doc more just consulting consultants mm-hmm. you pay lots of money to come in consulting you don't get much money but that's okay the <laughs> church the church pays me that's my goal yeah that's true and uh for those of you listening if you go find youth doc on youtube there is a golden video out there that has helped me in 
so many you know which one i'm talking about oh yeah i do (laughs) it is one of the most valuable youth ministry videos you will ever learn because it will put you in the good graces of one of the most important people in your church the janitor and it's how to tape a poster to the wall there you go (laughs) it's the most simple and and we just got through blessed girl where somebody somebody delegated somebody else to tape up posters and i walked through the church and i was looking at the posters and i was going they haven't watched my video (laughs) there is a right way to do it and i can tell you from experience because rick showed me once it actually does work really well it does It, it it saves me so much heartache so um thank you rick for coming on i really appreciate it Well, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Rick is the reason I got the job I have now. (laughs) It's true, man. Like everything he said in there, like was stuff I had to do in my interview. And it's dripping with wisdom. I feel like I'm brown nosing him right now. I don't need anything from him, so I'm not brown nosing him. (laughs) But it, I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's helpful, you know, be honest. And it's not because, oh, if I, if I say the wrong thing, I'm not going to get the job. Well, then God didn't want you there. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of reminds me, uh, my dad tells me a story when he was, when he was candidate at churches, I, again, he was a little older cause he got, went to college, uh, a little bit later in his mid twenties as he was serving in a ministry traveling around called Life Action, which mm-hmm. we mentioned on the podcast before. And uh, so towards the end of it, as he was candid, candidated churches, doing interviews, he interviewed this one church and went there, visited with, with uh, him and my mom, and they were showing the, the parsonage. And it, it was a weird parsonage, if I remember correctly. It, it's, it had like a, a courtyard that was outside in the middle of it. The building so this building surrounded this courtyard and and that was the parsonage that was a part it was really weird man it was really that's weird like, that's old school yeah and they talked about how they have activities or something going on with this too and some uh so my mom and my dad went back they prayed about it prayed about it and then uh another church called and said hey and the pastor was talking about that. I said, hey, before you make a decision, come to our church and uh, check us out and check our ministry out. And if God calls you here, great. If calls you there, great. But we just love you to come huh. before you make a final decision. And so my dad went, uh, looked at, it was in Odessa, Texas. And uh, both my parents were like amazed by what was going on with this ministry, the, the mm. church, what they're doing. Uh, and then they, so they went home and, and, uh, thought through it and and basically decided to go to Odessa, Texas. But anyway, the other church, the pastor from this other church with a weird parsonage called mm-hmm. and my dad shared, hey, we've God's calling us to another church. And the pastor got upset <laughs> uh, when they had this conversation. Uh, I, again, I think part of it is because you, when you want somebody, you, you have a tendency, again, like we talked about being honest, transparent, you have a tendency of embellishing the reality of what your church and ministry is. That was a very long way of saying lying about who you really are. Cor- correct. <laughs> and it's, a, it's a polite way of saying that. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so, and, I, and I've experienced this too, and again, when I, right after, towards the end of my seminary, I started candidate at churches as well, doing interviews. And I did it two years before I graduated just, just to see if there's a church that uh, would would pay enough for, to pay for my education or actually pay for my education. Mm-hmm. So I, I, for, for about a two-year span, I probably applied to good night, probably 100 churches, at least 100. And, oh, I, I remember those conversations. Yeah, and I had a spreadsheet, and I, st- mm. I think I still have it to this day. Uh, keeping up with the churches, keeping up with con- who have contacted, who have not contacted, how many times I've contacted, all the stuff. And uh, I mean, I had this conversation in the interview process of having to turn down churches because of embellishing and semi lying to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't know if they intentionally thought they were. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not judging their heart. Uh, but I had to say no to a lot of churches because for me, 
a red flag for me is when a church talks overly positive. Again, that sounds bad, but overly positive about the church with no negativity or no talking about no issues or problems that they have. Yeah, you can tell when someone's overhyping something. Yeah, and and that's one thing when we, when I landed at um, my first my first church, the reason why I landed there was because the pastor in the interview process uh, it, it did not make the church seem positive at all. And in fact, he was almost sound like he was trying to talk me out of going there. Didn't he tell you he was trying to convince you not to come? Because if he could, then that meant God didn't want you there. Yeah, he, absolutely. And, and I had, That's kind of a good approach. <laughs> it, 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 it is. And, and, and man, I appreciated that so much because it was like a sigh of relief of finally someone is being honest. With mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's now, actually what a question is. Me. And don't answer this, but the question is, did that honesty maintain over the seven years you were there? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, we're, we're all sinful human beings. So yeah. there, there's going to be some, some sinfulness mixed in there. Uh, Cause we all, we all struggle with, we all struggle with in church in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all, we all, we all naturally struggle with integrity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we, even those who have high integrity, daily have to struggle with with integrity because the fact is it's very easy to sit uh, to slip back into a posture of deceitfulness mm-hmm. uh, it's very easy to do as a leadership that's the reason why you have good checks and balances and accountability and plurality of leaders and all mm-hmm. the stuff kind of kind of prevents that or or when or when that happens corrects it yeah uh And I do think that one thing that didn't really get mentioned, and and, um, as we wrap up, I'll just kind of throw this out there to consider. I think one of the other possibilities is that if there is a a team that you're meeting with that's considering you for the position, if they do kind of overhype things or they're just only positive about all the things or, uh, and, and they're, you know, it's not like deceitfulness. They're just really talking positive and how great the church is. That could potentially be an, uh, an indication that they actually don't have an accurate heartbeat of the church so they're actually out of touch so i mean that's a possibility as well but hopefully um this interview today was helpful for you guys um this is really intended to be uh for you who is looking for a job and you're getting ready for your interview or you're getting ready for several interviews and you just need that last little bit of advice from a youth ministry vet who's been doing it for 35 years that's right so um and, and if you have to, just do what I do. You know, if you have to ask a question that's uncomfortable, then say, Rick told me to say this. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, if you did, uh, please take a moment to either leave a comment or star review because that allows us to know how we're doing uh, and if we need to adjust things. Also, uh, it keeps our content near the top of the search results for those who are looking for new and fresh uh, quality content on student and youth ministry. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast that we haven't hit yet, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, We are on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, We have a page for both of those, but we also have a Youth and Culture Facebook group. So if you're a youth worker, uh, full-time, part-time, paid, volunteer, uh, you know, dad who just wants to disciple his son and he's a teenager, (laughs) join the group and uh, we'd love to connect with you there. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.